And hello, America. Welcome once again to another edition of Greg's List Live. You're a home for serious journalism only on America's WebRadio.com. And first of all, certain things off this lovely week. Hope everybody had a happy Independence Day, or as some people in the country, a happy Dependence Day, if you will. Uh, did you catch any of the, the fireworks, David? I was down at Linux, uh, Linux Mall, the, one of the closing attorneys I use. They have a annual 4th of July party, so we were up on the fifth floor watching some of the festivities and then they had a little VIP area cordoned off for the uh, the special well, guest Hillary yeah. Hillary was there roped off with, with the press corps walking around with her I, I I tripped over the line getting to her as I wanted to ask her a few questions about emails and Benghazi and all the other things but uh, yeah it was a, it was a good show down at Linux the um, we were able to actually see the Centennial Park ones going on as well Stone Mountain so we had a pretty good van point. I did see a lot of people complaining, though. Everybody's complaining now that Georgia passed the fireworks law, and they were up late at night shooting off fireworks. Now, nobody was quite as dumb as our Darwin Award candidate, the guy in Maine that tried to shoot the mortar off of his head, and uh, that didn't turn out too well. I, uh, I, I've seen enough cartoons to know that that never really works out, trying to shoot a firework or a mortar off of your head. But for the most part, I, I think these people calling to repeal this fireworks law are just, uh, you, you know, get a life. You're, you're, you're a, there's absolutely no difference between a Georgia and going to Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, any of the other surrounding states, buying fireworks there, bringing them back here and shooting them off, which frankly has happened every year until last year when we were or this year when we were able to buy some of them in the state of Georgia. So did you your neighborhood's pretty suburban what was going on over in yours well, do you I think we need to ban Yeah. And uh, the, the club every every year has a big thing. Okay. Over the golf course I guess. Yeah, 9:15 to uh, about, a quarter, about 30 minutes away. And uh, Wow. They do uh, uh, they, you know I went out on the deck and watched because we used it when we were members. We'd go over, and then I got to the point I didn't go over because I had just a seat sitting on the I was about deck. to say, you probably sit out with a wine cooler or something on your deck. And, it, and it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> but anyway, uh, beyond that was the fact that my wife and I were talking. We went out just for a few minutes. And, and we could see them from the windows or whatever mm-hmm. if we wanted to. But, you know... This is going to sound terrible, and I know there's some firecracker lovers out there, fireworks mm-hmm. lovers or whatever. Yeah, like, like me. And uh, But, you know, the thing is, after you get to be my age, and you've seen them year after year, and I don't see <coughs> them changing a whole lot. I don't know what they could do different. They could you, write your name in the air maybe You're, say, you're saying that it's basically the same show every year? Well, yeah. <laughs> Even if you watch them on TV, you say, "Well, that one I remember that one from yeah. the club." But, I guess I guess um, we had a pretty good music uh, soundtrack over at Linux. Um, they, you know, the "Coming yeah. to America" and stuff like that was playing in the background. Katy Perry, your favorite uh, recording artist, Katy Perry's "Baby, You're a Firework" was on. That was scintillating, a scintillating uh, uh, listening to of, of, of that rendition. Um, proud to be American, of course. Uh, anything American related. America the Beautiful was played. So I thought that was pretty cool 
because I normally don't. I'm not close enough to actually hear like the the, the accompanying music to the fireworks. So that was neat. Have you seen the drones that they've been flying through? The, have you seen the footage of on YouTube where they've taken these drones? And, and drones, folks, if you're, if you're thinking of something from the TV show 24 that's flying around launching nuclear missiles, no. Picture like the Amazon commercial where it was delivering a pizza. It's basically <laughs> yeah. a, a floating thing that has four kind of rotating propellers. Doesn't go extremely fast. Apparently the battery lives on these things aren't too long, but I did see a footage of one where they flew it up into a fireworks display, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, yeah, they did that last year. Too. Yeah, yeah, and I saw another one this year yeah. too. I guess, that, and well, I guess this year's wasn't too much different than last year's drone <laughs> No, I, I, something like that I think is cool, but you know, I, I would like to see. What if they could shoot you up in a little no, rocket you. into it, no, like no, a no, little encapsulated rocket, a no, little no, David rocket? No, 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 no you wouldn't do no, that. I uh, when I was flying. Um, <laughs> I had some, once I got past the, the Cessnas, which are high wing, I only flew low wings. And okay. uh, I, would, uh, I w- would not be interested in a little capsule for any reason. One, I, I'm very claustrophobic. I'm also acrophobic. And uh, except flying my own plane never bothered me. Right. Uh, well, I mean, I guess because maybe you felt like you were somewhat in control. And, well, yeah, and I mean, you had king to pay of the skies, to, uh, part of the Royal Air Force. Yeah, well, you uh, you know, you had to pay attention <laughs> to what you were doing, and and uh, you really there was no real. It wasn't bad looking out in front of you in the horizon, right? And looking off to one right or left. I didn't do a whole lot of hanging my head out the window to see what was down below, and I never. <laughs> I never really got in the position that I had to, except when I was landing. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you, do you have a point about the fireworks are pretty much the same year? I guess so. I mean, they, you know, it's almost like the NBA dunk contest. Yeah. You've reached this point where, okay, it's pretty much the same. They're, they're jumping, they're doing uh, flips and, and dunking the ball. They're they have forty eight inch verticals, but I mean, what you know, what else is new? I tell right. you what else is new, and and talking about, I'm not a soccer lover at all. I am. I know. Uh, and the world. <laughs> I'm a commie. Uh, I'm a commie pinko because of that. The uh, the women, uh, the U.S. women winning the uh, world championship, that, that Katie or whatever her name is, Carly, Lord, Carly Lord, Lord. There is an I in Lloyd. That shot that she made from fifty midfield, yeah. midfield whatever, that was. Yeah. Incredible. And Donald Trump won't really like this, but apparently if you listen to the Hispanic announcers, you know, calling all the goals for the U.S., it's even more exciting to hear. <laughs> so they, yeah, they, they sort of wet their pants. They had they five, get... literally, the, we scored five goals. The, the goal was busier than a Greek ATM machine. I mean, it was <laughs> extremely busy out there. Japan, you know, they, they just kind of, they got nagasaki that first 20 minutes. I mean, it was 4 nothing yeah. before they even batted an eye. The rest of the game, they played pretty well, but uh, you know the United States just came out hungry for victory, w- ready for revenge from 2011, and really this Japanese team—they uh, should have been beat by England in the uh, semifinals game. Now, how cool would have that been if if we had like the, if we had beaten England the day after Independence Day on the pitch? That would have been pretty cool. Although I will say, David, that we beat Germany and then Japan in soccer. So when when has that happened before? <laughs> World War no, II. Uh, we beat the Axis powers again. You you brought up something else though that that uh, the Greek ATMs. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I may be totally wrong, and I, I'm probably am, but 
I've heard very little comments out of the politicians. And, you know, the Greece situation could become very serious, although they're extremely small, 11 million people. I had a friend of mine say we ought to just adopt them and put them on welfare and we'd have a place to go in the summer. I think we call that Puerto Rico. uh, But anyway... um, you know, this, there could be a hell of a domino effect just yeah. starting out with well, Greece. For, I mean, for thinking about this, David, with 11 million people, they actually owe 380 billion euros. So that's a lot of a lot of euros per family. It's an amazing number. Um, you know, their the, their their per debt is is staggering. Uh, I mean, why were they out partying and celebrating? They, they, I don't know. They, they've pr- they've actually proven that they're pretty damn good at protesting. I wish they would use the same energy to actually work and pay taxes. That might help. The problem is, Greece, about, you said the magic word work, work, work. Greece is basically a third world economy, and they have been living off the largesse of the other. Uh, nations, basically Germany and uh, I hate to say it, but France and Belgium and Holland, they actually do have a, a viable economy. Their residents do pay taxes. The, the biggest thing with the Greeks is over 50% of them work for the government and they don't pay any taxes. They have no mechanism to collect taxes. And, and pe- when they tried to send out people to get them, they, the people were threatened to have their, their knees broken. So, you you know, you've got no mechanism to collect. You've got a third world economy, um, a, a, an economy totally dependent on, on, on socialist spending. And now they finally ran out of other people's money. They, they, they basically Oops. they wanted this new bailout, David, to merely pay the interest on the debt for the next two years. Now, you've got to be a sucker to loan money to somebody like that. You have better chance of a meth head paying you off on a money loan than Greece paying you off. I mean, if I was if I was Europe, I would let them exit and try to get them on some kind of program. The only thing, you know, in, in my analysis of it is if Greece was able to implement some kind of national sales tax. I mean, it would have to be 10 to 20%, something robust, and have a lot of tourists come in and, and just try to have tourists pay you know, some sum towards, towards paying this debt down. Because not only are they spending tons of money, they're not collecting anything. And me and you agree, you have to pay some taxes in order to have some kind of infrastructure. Otherwise, you get Somalia, you get Mogadishu, you get Kabul, Afghanistan. So... As conservative as I am, I do see the need for taxpayers to fund infrastructure projects. All they fund is parties. They 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 leave the D off of fund all the time. <laughs> yeah, they have fundraisers, not fund raisers, right? Exactly. I was thinking that if they sold the Parthenon and <laughs> sold off, uh, you know, the the Colosseum <clears throat> and maybe some of the islands like Mykonos. And then they had a really, really big bake sale with a, like a euro eating contest. Like they could cut euros for euros. And then if they sued all the fraternities in the United States for using the Greek alphabet for years and never paying a dime, this is what we call reparations. I think they could finally pay a little bit back towards their debt. What do you think about that? I was a Kaisai at Georgia. We never sent a dime to Greece, and we use their letters and their alphabet and for you're going years. To today, we still—I I don't know if they—if they file a lawsuit in international court, I may be compelled to. <laughs> what do you think about my plan, Dave? That this—this this is my Greece. I, I, well, I tell you, it's as good as theirs. 
Because they don't. They <laughs> yeah, don't, they say, don't got like, one. They, they like Obama. One? They ain't got no. Yeah, they're plan. they're they're about you know Obama couldn't negotiate himself out of a wet paper bag. You heard that before? Yes, I mean, sir. I, especially I've heard about it about with Obama. So currently they're negotiating with Iran to basically let Iran uh, get fifty to sixty billion dollars of their currently frozen assets back in return for us maybe sometimes getting to check the nuclear proliferation. No, now, this well, is clearly a bad deal. Watching Iran build, that what we get in return is watching Iran <laughs> build their nuclear We weapon. get ringside seats. They're like, yeah. hey, you know when you get to watch somebody uh, get... Uh, when you get when you execute somebody, they always have to have a few witnesses there. Mm-hmm. That's basically going to be the United States mm-hmm. view. While these guys are getting all the North Korean and Russian secrets, Russia probably wouldn't have too big of a problem with Iran getting a bomb. Because wouldn't that keep us a little more busy, a little busier over there? Russia, Russia's playing chess. They're playing it very well. Putin versus Obama. And is we're just, playing what? We're not even playing checkers. Chinese checkers, maybe. <laughs> Kenyan checkers. Kenyan checkers. Kenyan checkers. Dave, we got a great show today. We got Sherry Gilligan calling in. She's the front runner over in House District 24 in Forsyth County calling in, former uh, CIA agent and uh, served in the Navy. We're going to have a chat with her for about 15 minutes about her campaign. And then uh, our friend David Johnson will be calling us to renegotiate or, or recover, or revisit the, the ever-expanding landscape for President 2016. We actually have had like three or four Democrats jump in this, which I'm enthused about, actually. When Bernie Sanders is getting more crowds or uh, bigger crowds than Hillary, and he wants to raise the tax rate to ni- up to 90% on people, I like, I like that argument. I'm happy to have that debate. Anyway, we'll be back in a couple of minutes with Sherry Gilligan. See you in a minute on Greg's List. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, You can rest assured, knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. 
And hello, America. Welcome back to another edition of Greg's List Live. Coming at you a little bit after Independence Day and also the day, uh, two days after celebrating an awesome Women's World Cup victory where we pummeled the Japanese 5-2. to I'm uh, going to go a little bit local politics here. I uh, wanted to welcome our next guest, Sherry Gilligan, to Greg's List. Sherry's running for House District 24 up in Forsyth County and made it to the runoff and actually almost won outright, if not for a couple wayward votes that uh, that escaped her. But anyway, Sherry, thanks for calling in today. Welcome to Greg's List. How are you? I'm doing very well, and thanks for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. I know um, there, the, um, during the, the election night, you were probably anxiously watching the results coming in and thinking, boy, if this precinct can just go my way, I've got this thing locked up and get to in, enjoy my summer for once. <laughs> well, uh, I have to admit, I was incredibly encouraged, especially with the first uh, three precincts reporting, because those were my strongest precincts, and it looked like we were going to win without needing a runoff. And when it came down to three crucial votes, it was it was really hard. And of course, we um, we waited until the provisional ballots were were counted. There were three provisional ballots, but only one of them got to count. So um, as soon as they uh, what was it? Um, they declared in uh, invalid the first one. I was like, oh well. <laughs> Well, you didn't really, yeah. You you didn't you didn't lose completely. You're you're going into the runoff with a pretty oh, significant yeah. uh, advantage. Now, you ran uh, before for this seat. What has been the difference uh, this time around versus last time? This time's obviously a special election, so it's clearly a sprint, not a marathon. But uh, what are the, some of the differences that you've uh, been able to discern between running the, you know, in a fall election versus a special election? Well, the the biggest difference has to be if when I ran the last time I was facing an incumbent, a very popular incumbent, as a matter of fact. And so um, we spent all of our time going door to door. Uh, it was great because I had a good time meeting people in the 24th District. I, I happen to think we live in one of the best districts in all of Georgia. You know, I wouldn't want to represent them if I didn't think they, they were the best. But they uh, they are just absolutely phenomenal people, and when you get to meet with them one on one, and and you get to to hear what's of importance to them, and then they get to see where I stand on that same issue, it was just it was very encouraging. We got forty one percent of the vote. Like I said, a very popular incumbent. Uh, my first time out, and I got forty one percent of the vote. Yeah, that was amazing. I do think that that probably helped you uh, in this campaign. And sure enough, you were only three votes short of an outright win with three other fairly uh, qualified candidates. You can We can all debate the merits. But what are the issues that, that are most important for you, and what are the issues that you're hearing about on the trail? Uh, on the trail, the most important thing has been here in Forsyth County, like I said, we're a wonderfully blessed community. But with that blessing also comes the, the growth because everybody wants to be a part of it. It is a fantastic, wonderful place to live. And since everybody wants to be a part of it, it means that our infrastructure has to keep up. And it hasn't been. So our growth has outpaced the roads, sewers, and water. Okay. And so those are the biggest concerns. We just need to be able to get the tax dollars that we spend back here to work for us. We need the tax dollars that we spend back here to build our schools at a quicker pace than we're able to do legally right now. 
so that's been the biggest concern. You know, um, people in Forsyth County spend on average a little over two hours a day commuting to work. <laughs> when you do the math, that means that they spend 30 days out of the year stuck in traffic. Yeah. That's unacceptable. We need uh, to be able to draw uh, entrepreneurial types of businesses here. Uh, we need to have a real good working relationship with the Chamber of Commerce in order for that to happen. And uh, the, the National Federation of Independent Business, as a, as a matter of fact, we need to have a real good relationship with them so that we can draw entrepreneurs. But we have to have the infrastructure in place. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you look at North Fulton, uh, obviously the Alpharetta area, the Windward Parkway, and even uh, Roswell, they have kind of been able to get that smart growth model where they do have the neighborhoods and the uh, infrastructure, but they also have business. Windward Parkway, obviously home to a lot of technology companies. And I'd, I'd wager yeah. that a lot of your Forsyth folks actually probably work in Alpharetta, not in de- don't they? Um. Yeah, there, there's a little bit of everything. But yes, we, we do have a lot of people who do live, uh, I'm sorry, work in Alpharetta as well. And, and that does save a lot of the commute time. But one of the things that I would like to see is for us to be uh, able to tap into that high-speed Internet line that went up to Dawson County. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a great line, but we don't have a tap into that here in the county. And I think that would help us also draw that kind of brain trust here just a little farther north. And uh, when we have that kind of brain trust and that kind of work here, then our children, when they graduate college, can have uh, a real good, well-paying job that's uh, worthy of the education that we've all invested in our children. Yeah, now you've got a pretty pers- uh, interesting personal background story. Let uh, let our listeners know a little bit about you. I know there's been some work with the CIA and also s- served in the Navy, so that's a pretty fascinating background for, for somebody that's uh, you know fairly new to politics. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you think that may manifest into being a successful representative. Okay, well, I was born and raised here in Forsyth County, so I'm one of those rare natives that you may have <laughs> heard about but haven't really met. I, read, I think I read about them, yeah. <laughs> yes. So I'm a, I'm a native here of Forsyth County and, and very proud to, to be from here. And after graduating college, um, the economy at the time was uh, a little hard. And I found a job in the, the, the Washington, D.C. area working for a very small um, contracting firm. And that contracting firm did intelligence work for, um, for the government. Then after working with them for a while, I got a job with the CIA. Oh, and I forgot to mention, I enlisted in between there with the Navy Reserves. Okay. So I enlisted in the Navy Reserves in 89 and uh, joined uh, CIA in 1990. So um, anyway, so I I have that experience in my background. And like I said, I had a a wonderful 20-year career with the intelligence field, both in and out of government, contracting, and government agencies. Mm -hmm. Um, But my husband had the opportunity to take an early retirement in 2006, and that's when we moved back to my hometown of Forsyth County. And uh, I lived just a mile down the road from my grandmother and my grandmother and about a mile and a half from my older brother and about five miles from my little brother. So, so, that's, that, so that's, like eight, you know, that's like eight votes right there. <laughs> well, I except my little brother and his family live outside the district. It's oh. one of those areas that I would just love for his 
neighborhood to be in my district. You know, that sounds like that would have pushed you over the top right there, right? (laughs) (laughs) They could have. Absolutely could have. And um, I am very proud of them. And, um, you know, they they are just uh, great pillars of the community. They've always been involved. they're members of the PTA and uh, the Boy Scouts, and uh, they've just always been great for the community. And, uh, you know, that's how we were raised. Uh, here, when when I grew up here, Forsyth County was poor, mm-hmm. one of the poorest counties in the state of Georgia. Uh, but we looked out for each other. And that community mindset is why I will make a great representative. I care about the people, not about other interests and and how can I line my pocket but I care about the people and what's important to us and and I'll just do the absolute level best every single day that I'm there yeah well it was interesting uh your opponent has uh claimed that you didn't uh, serve when you did and I was able to watch uh, Lori Geary uh story yesterday going up and you were able to show all the evidence it's always dangerous to accuse somebody that's actually worked for federal government that they didn't do it because they typically have a paper trail of it and uh it's f- it basically what Sherry what we call that is you just got a free two and a half minute commercial on uh, local news <laughs> I, I could never have bought that kind of advertisement, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, uh, it, it's kind of funny because a lot of people say, well, why did you keep those kind of records? Well, <laughs> anybody who's ever been in the military knows you keep every piece of paper mm-hmm. because if you can't keep your medical records, if you can't keep all of your leaves and earnings statements, if you don't have the paper trail, then somebody's going to lose it. It always falls in the crack, and I can tell you from firsthand, every time I... Uh, got assigned to a different uh, station in the Navy, it was just a pain to make sure that everything got caught up. And I am bet you every person in every branch of the service is saying amen right now because they've been there, done that, and they have, just like me, I have a uh, an old briefcase. <laughs> and that old briefcase keeps those important documents. And I bet you everybody has some kind of file <laughs> folder or case like me huh. with their important documents. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm in the mortgage business, and uh, whenever I do a VA loan, checking down that DD-214 is always a chore. So I uh, oh. I will tell you that not everybody has as uh, consistent records as you, but uh, <laughs> luckily, luckily with a little, it's a little bit like going to the dentist, but you can extract that uh, DD-214 from <laughs> VA. It just takes, yes. it can certainly slow down our process. But anyway, Sherry, it's been a true pleasure talking to you. I wish you luck next Tuesday. I think... Uh, I think you're going to do very well. It's just a Greg's List Live prediction. But uh, tell voters where uh, they can find out about you, a little bit more about you and uh, if you have any final uh, closing argument for your uh, your candidacy. Okay. Well, they can find out about me at VoteGilligan.com. That's VoteGilligan, G-I-L-L-I-G-A-N.com. Just like the island, right? <laughs> just like the island. No three-hour tours. Um <laughs> But, yeah, and I'm also on Facebook, you know, Sherry Gilligan for State House, and that's one R-I in my first name, Sherry Gilligan for State House. And, uh, yeah, um, the polls are open every day this week at uh, the Perseus County Administration Building and at Midway Park. And then the last opportunity to vote for me would be on July 14th. And I would just encourage everybody who lives in the 24th District to, uh, to call me. Contact me in any way you uh, feel most comfortable, but please do get out and vote, and I am um, really asking for you uh, to vote for me. 
Well, I appreciate that, Sherry. Good luck to you, and uh, have a feeling we'll be calling you House Rep uh, before too long. Anyway, we appreciate you calling in. Sherry Gilligan running for House District 24 up in Forsyth County. And uh, we're going to take our next commercial break, but when we get back, we'll have uh, David Johnson from Strategic Vision calling in to do some good old-fashioned speculating, handicapping, gossiping, and uh, other uh rigmarole about the uh, upcoming presidential race where we have i think about 25 candidates now anyway we'll see you in a couple minutes on greg's list the disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp what should be the course of treatment who is the best person to render treatment and what is the best place to go for the care that is needed We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. From Doug Dahlgren an action series that grabs you and won't let go. Four members of Congress all die within months. Each death appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary war heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search uncovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun, Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, in Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. You can also check out my blog at Greg'sListLive.blog.com. I've been doing a little bit of... Uh, Having a little bit of fun with the site lately, David. I've set up kind of a little a satire site, and actually, I got two Davids. Uh, David Johnson from Strategic Vision is is on the line with us, and I have uh, our producer here, David. So I didn't want to confuse that. But anyway, David Johnson, welcome back to Greg's List. I think we've had at least eight new people announced since you were last on for President of the United States. Uh, how are you keeping track of this thing? <laughs> oh, I mean, it's fun. I mean, we're, we got two more getting ready to jump in. I mean. Right now, I mean, not even counting just all the big-name candidates, all together, there are 100 people who have filed paperwork with the Presidential <laughs> Commission running for the Republican nomination right now. Are you serious? 100 have filed out FEC paperwork? You got it. 100. <laughs> and it, uh, it keeps uh, growing. Well, uh, you know, that. Well, you know, again, I, I think that it's kind of like the race to top ten right now. And uh, the first debate, everybody says it's a long election cycle. It, it, it is long, but we are now getting that point in time where if you're not in this top ten now, 
and you miss out on this first debate, you are going to be missing a huge opportunity to introduce yourself to voters. And uh, what do you think this next month is going to be like? I got a I got a robocall from uh, Ben Carson last night, and I thought that was a very good for his campaign to go ahead and, and get out there because these national polls are going to be the ones that I guess determine the top ten, right? Definitely, they are, and you're going to see a lot of these robocalls. Uh, some of the candidates are already up with TV advertising as well to pump up their numbers. I think the one thing we're, we definitely can be assured of is the most dangerous place in the world right now is going to be between Donald Trump and a TV camera because he's going to keep on going because every time he opens up his mouth, his poll numbers go up. Yeah, that's a, a, a curiosity that we're seeing the Democrats kind of dancing gleefully around. I uh, I, I am worried uh, that this um, the, the Donald Trump rhetoric is going to kind of stain the, uh, the the other candidates. I do consider him a serious candidate, though, because he is going to uh, certainly probably be in the top ten. He just has it. He has enough money. I've seen you post some stuff about him maybe b- bloodying some of the candidates even more than the Democrats would. So that to me, I see a little bit of a threat from uh, this in, this insurgent campaign. It is, and I mean some of his rhetoric is going over the top. And, yes, some of it's offensive. Even his remarks, and you don't have to be a Jeb Bush fan, but when he makes a comment like he did yesterday, well, Jeb's got to defend the, got to be pro-immigration. He's married to one of them. That's not the language the Republican Party needs to have, whether you like Jeb Bush or not. And then today he did concede that there are some good Mexicans in the world. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad he 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 found out that there are a couple of decent. But this folks. kind of rhetoric is yeah. divisive, and you can be against illegal immigration without using the rhetoric that he's using. Yeah. What now? I just saw this come out, David. There is a top GOP fundraiser. I don't have his name in front of me, but he wants to ban Donald Trump from this first debate, regardless of whether he's in the top ten polling. The Donald Trump has gotten a big boost because a he has just come out swinging. He's kind of just speaking his mind, and that rhetoric, unfortunately, does appeal to kind of the fifteen to twenty percent of, of, of the Republican Party that's just fed up with everybody. So that may give him ten percent. Um, Numbers ten percent approval rating. He's going to qualify for the debates, and I think the worst thing Republicans could do is to exclude him. Okay. If they exclude him, he is going to declare holy war on the Republican Party. His TV advertising will be taken to destroy these candidates, and who knows? He could potentially run as a third party candidate, further hurting Republicans. Yeah, I mean, if he does the kind of the Ross Perot, the disgruntled billionaire from the uh, 1992 election, that would uh, that would certainly be. It's I'm really torn. I do want as many people to run, but when I see them as being divisive in the Republican Party and just giving ammunition to the Democrats, it's uh, it's hard to support a candidate like that. It really is. Look. I think the best thing that could happen for Republicans is expose Donald Trump to the general public. Expose him to the other candidates. Have them debate him on the issues, because Donald Trump cannot take people poking fun at him. He cannot take criticism. And what we'll see on a national stage is Donald Trump self-destruct. We'll see the angry, mean Donald Trump. Think back to the uh, gridiron uh, dinner when Barack Obama poked fun at 
Donald Trump. And I'm not defending Barack Obama, yeah. but I'm saying he used humor to take on Donald Trump. Right. And Donald Trump lost it. You could see it in his face. He couldn't control it. And he lashed out afterwards. That's the Donald Trump we'll see in the debates. And that will do more to hurt Donald Trump than excluding him from debates or anything else the candidates could do. Yeah, I, I've you know part of me also looks at it and says, what if he his kind of boisterous or bellicose rhetoric makes somebody like a Scott Walker or a Jeb Bush or somebody like that look moderate in comparison? And people will say, well, at least they're not Trump, and they'll actually give a Jeb or a, or even a Rubio a chance because they can clearly get up, debate the issues, they have the skill set, they have the track record of having to work with other people, because I did see Trump interviewed, and people were saying, you know you'll have to work with Congress, and he basically said, no, I won't. And that's interesting, because that's kind of what we have right now, and uh, an executive president uh, ruling by executive edict, and nobody likes that. So, Look, Donald Trump's used to running his business as CEO. <clears throat> the problem we see a lot of times when CEOs get into politics is that's not the way politics and governing work. We see this over and over again. I'm not necessarily saying that these candidates are even going to come across as super moderates. I think they're going to come across reasonable, and if they can use humor instead of being so dour and serious with Donald Trump, I think they'll come across as personable as well. That's one of the keys Republicans have. We not only need to have the best ideas and the best policies, we need to come across personable. People vote on likability. As much as we hate to say it, Ronald Reagan articulated the conservative ideas, and people loved it. Uh, George H.W. Bush, conservative, he could not convey that same message to voters. Very much like Barry Goldwater in 1964 could. Likeability sells, and that's the challenge for these candidates, to tackle Donald Trump, appear reasonable, but also likable. Yeah, and I mean, that's the, the challenge that Hillary has, is being likable. I mean, her optics have been terrible lately, too. This past uh, weekend, when she had the uh, the Independence Day parade, which was not very independent, as 30 members of the doting press corps were corralled in some rope with her desk. <laughs> you know, Bill Clinton was probably thinking, boy, if I could get them in a rope, that would be great. But, you know, Hillary was thinking that, uh, you know, if you want to be around me, you're going to have to be tied up with me. So that's... Uh, that's an interesting uh, line of thought there being tied up with Hillary Clinton. I don't know if I want to go there, actually. <laughs> well, I mean, with Hillary Clinton, I mean, the thing is, too, she won't address any issues. She's afraid to answer any questions. Someone actually asked her, what's your favorite ice cream up in New Hampshire? And her answer was, I don't have a favorite. I like them all. <laughs> she's running a risk-adverse campaign, and I'll tell you, I think she's prime for an upset I'm not saying Bernie Sanders is going to defeat her in Iowa or New Hampshire. He doesn't need to. All he's got to do is have a strong enough showing to show that she's weakened, and I think some of these Democrats like Elizabeth Warren and others mm -hmm. might reconsider and jump into the race. This happened, remember, with Lyndon Johnson in 68 with the Vietnam War. Gene McCarthy did not defeat him in New Hampshire, but he scored such a strong showing People reconsidered the race, and he forced Johnson out. I think the same could happen with Hillary. 
Yeah, I mean, and we've seen Martin O'Malley jump in, Jim Webb has jumped in, so you've got some folks, and Jim Webb's foreign policy experience and relative success, when you contrast that with Hillary Clinton's, is night and day. So you have Bernie getting her from the left as far as social policies and uh, raising taxes on those evil rich people, and then you have Jim Webb who can come in and say, look what I did against some of America's biggest threats, and look what you did when the Middle East is in absolute chaos, the Russians are building their empire, uh, South America's in upheaval. Um, I mean, she just has a record of, of failure. And so we've got two candidates that can hit her from both sides on that, on the Democrat side of things. Exactly. And we're laughing a lot about him, but Joe Biden, more and more chatter is that he's going to jump into the race as well. He's a sitting vice president. He's got foreign policy experience, and he's got ties to the Obama administration as well. Mm-hmm. He could pose a challenge to Hillary also. Yeah, I don't underestimate Joe, and he has really seen his um, just overall persona improve greatly. Obviously, his family's personal tragedy has made him have to uh, go through a lot of things that nobody would want, and uh, bipartisan support has has come out for 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 Biden. And in a couple years ago, when he was debating Paul Ryan, everybody thought that Paul Ryan would be able to to really handle him in the vice presidential debates, and Joe Biden certainly held his own. So I. Uh, he did, and the other thing uh, Biden's got that really works to his favor and against Hillary, he comes across as a genuine person. Whether you like his politics, what he's saying or not, he comes across as the, a real person. Yeah, Hillary comes across manufactured. Yeah, I mean Joe Biden is. I mean he he he's funny, he's personable. We we joke about him because he does just say things just completely off the cuff. And, but it's such a different, I guess, presentation than a Donald Trump, where Joe Biden can be dead race. He can say something completely racist, and people forgive him in five minutes. <laughs> it's, it's amazing because but, he doesn't seem angry when he's saying it. Donald Trump seems angry. Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump comes out angry. He's just throwing facts. I, I don't know. I I rarely watch Bill O'Reilly, but I, I just happened to watch it last night. It might have even been the replay, but he had his talking points memo, and he used facts. Obviously, this... Uh, this uh, this terrible murder out in San Francisco with this illegal that's been deported five times and arrested seven times and is now hiding out in the sanctuary liberal city of San Francisco. That story where he should not be walking the streets of the United States and he killed an innocent 32-year-old woman, that's something that Donald Trump should be able to point at but not look mean about it. And O'Reilly last night basically did kind of the anti-Trump presentation of it, which was lucid, logical, made sense, and we didn't look like we hate uh, anybody that speaks Spanish as a first language. Exactly. That's the problem with Donald Trump. A lot of what he's saying does make sense, but then he carries it too far and comes across as hateful and angry in some of his remarks. Yeah, I mean, he's also a, he, you know, a one percenter, so that certainly doesn't help when you have kind of an angry one percenter. One percenters, you know, when you look at like the Bill Gateses and the Bernie Marcuses, the folks that give a lot of their money back to charity, they may kind of have left, or Bill Gates certainly does have a, a leftist tendencies, but they don't look like the Gordon Geckos of the world. So we've got a Donald Trump who is looking a little Gordon Gecko-ish, Gordon Gecko being the, one of the protagonists in the uh, movie Wall Street. That and Donald Trump can't even laugh. I mean, somebody asked him about his hair, and he said, in all seriousness, that if he's elected president, he's going to have to have a new hairstyle because it takes too long to do his <laughs> hairstyle as it is, and he'll be too busy running the country. And he said it dead serious. 
And when people began to smile and laugh, he got annoyed because he said that was a serious answer. Yeah, that that's a problem. I mean, if you can't have self-deprecation, uh, Obama, uh, I will grudgingly admit, is uh, he, he can be certainly funny when he's uh, got his uh, adoring press corps with him. And he's able to make fun of himself at times and uh, also certainly take pot shots at the Republican Party. But he has a good delivery and he comes across as likable. I sometimes see even Republicans posting stuff where they're uh, lauding him. But, uh, David, let's take our break here. But when we get back, I want... Want to see who your top ten predictions are and see if okay. they match mine because I think it's going to be a fascinating group of people up there and uh, it, it'll just be interesting because I mean this is this is the month right now where people need to start paying attention because these ten guys guys and gals I think Carly Fiorina will, will be on this top ten these will be the ones that really we will be choosing from I think going forward anyway we'll be back with David Johnson in a couple minutes on Greg's list. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Even though it is a long presidential election season, we are now getting to that point where we're going to be separating the serious candidates from the not-so-serious candidates, the candidates that actually have put together some semblance of a staff. Some of them are much farther ahead than others. Uh, but basically, it's a race to finish in the top ten and be on that Fox News debate stage. And I just pulled up a list of, um, of, of the candidates that have announced and that you know people think are relevant and serious. And we are at about 15 or 16 
folks that have a chance to raise money have at least some name ID in the Republican Party. In fact, it really doesn't matter if these folks are known on the Democrat side. It really only matters right now if they're known on the, the GOP side because it, they have to be in the top 10 in a national poll. David uh, Johnson from Strategic Vision is with us. David, what poll are they going to use? Is there going to be like a final poll two weeks before that they say, okay, this is it? Or how are, I mean, or is Fox, Fox- is going to be using the national polls that are being released on the race. Okay. So, but they, but I mean, those are changing uh, pr- pretty much daily. Rubio from the has seen a pretty steep dive in his numbers lately. So, what? When are they going to make the final call? Do you know? Uh, they're supposed to be making it within the next couple of weeks. Okay. So, really, we have about two weeks for these for any of anybody that's kind of an outlier that may be right at the top ten, maybe at the cusp. Uh, you know, right now, I'll just tell you what, who I think my top five are is Jeb Bush, Ben Carson, Scott Walker, uh, Marco Rubio, and Mike Huckabee uh, would be the top five somewhere in that order. And that's that's not my preference, but that's who I think is the top five. What What is what, what is your top five? Mine are uh, Jeb Bush, Donald Trump, Ben Carson, Rand Paul, and Ted Cruz. Okay, so we uh, we differ a lot there. Interesting. Okay, uh, you know, and Rand, I guess uh, I, I can probably substitute in a Rand Paul for uh, for Huckabee. So I think one of the big questions is going to be: Is Chris Christie going to make the top ten? I don't think right now he would. So you're thinking Christie, the the New Jersey governor, could be out? What about Rick Perry? I've seen a little. bit I think of he's in. He's okay. actually higher than Christie. Okay. And last, one of the last national polls that I saw. He would be included in the top ten. Okay, I've seen him gaining some traction, and I don't know. It's just because I have some Rick Perry social media friends, or if I've seen Fox uh, starting to quote him a little bit more. I've seen him gaining some traction. Rick Perry was uh, governor of Texas for three terms, I believe, and uh, lieutenant governor when George W. was there. And actually, in Texas, lieutenant governor is kind of the one that uh, holds all the power. So Rick Perry, and he's also the, one of the only two candidates right now with military service, Lindsey Graham, being the other. I do not see Lindsey Graham in the top ten. Oh, I don't either. Okay. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad we can agree on that one. So what about... But I, I don't, don't see Bobby Jindal in the top ten yeah, either. I, I, I don't either. He, uh, I think he is trying to lay the groundwork for a future run. He's still young. He's still governor. I see him trying to put together a semblance of a national network, but kind of doing this to, to, and if he, you know, roll the dice, if he gets on the debate stage, that would be great. I don't see him making it, but I see, what about Rick Santorum? You see him in the top 10? No, I don't okay. see him in the top 10 Thank either. God. I mean, oops, sorry for him. George, His time has come and gone. George Pataki, no. No. Uh, Rubio, uh, I think, yes, is in I the top ten. Yes, I think he'll be in the top ten. I think I've still got him in the top five, although he, his, the last poll showed him drop precipitously, which I'm not, I don't know why. Is it because he's trying to kind of walk both ways on immigration and some of these it other? Is. Okay. So you, but he's got a lot of room for, uh, for potential and growth, I think, in these poll numbers. Okay. Yeah, I see him growing a lot. I see Rand Paul eventually fizzling. Um, just, that's just my prediction. I think when they get him on stage, especially a Fox who really likes to be kind of the Patriot News Network, they're going to really, I think, single him out for some of his comments about Republicans creating ISIS. Even if you can make that logical argument or illogical or mental gymnastics, that's really not going to go over well in a Republican primary. No, I agree totally on that. 
Uh, Carly Fiorina, very interesting character or uh, candidate um, and a character. She's been kind of following Hillary around. I think she may squeeze into that top ten, and she is kind of the anti Michelle Bachman, where she is very smart. She's had somewhat uh, a little bumpy career, but I think she's clearly personally wealthy and and has had a lot of personal success in the business world. Uh, and she's been very articulate on the campaign trail. I see her cracking the top ten and perhaps being a little bit of a breakout star if she makes it on the debate stage. I think she'll be a breakout star if she gets included. Right now, I don't think she's got the numbers that she'll get in the debate. Okay, so you are thinking, but that's where... But she's got the potential because she's uh, begun doing advertising, so she might be able to swing some numbers with the, the advertising. But if it were today, I do not think she would. What about John Kasich? No. Nope. Okay. So he won't. He won't. Even though it's going to be held in Ohio, the first debate, <laughs> I don't see the governor of Ohio being included. Yeah, and that would be uh, what I would call the death knell of a campaign. <laughs> the governor's I agree here. Totally. The governor's here. He's in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking the time out to call in and handicap. Uh, it's interesting. We do have a different uh, top ten or certainly a, a top five. Oh, Ted Cruz. I don't think I mentioned him. Is he in the top five for yours? Yes, I definitely think he is. Okay. So he has kind of – you think he might have wrested some of the social conservatives from the Huckabee team? Because I know in the past you've spoken pretty highly of, of Huckabee, but now it seems you're leaning a little more towards Cruz for that wing of the party. I think it's a battle. I think the two of them are going to battle it out. I think Huckabee will be included in the debate. It's going to depend on both of their performances. Yeah, and Cruz, by all uh, reputation, seems like uh, he's going to be very, very good at this debate. Um, you know, him and I think Rand Paul can probably do well. I just think Rand is going to be getting questions that. Uh, I'm sure his supporters will be complaining about, if you will. <laughs> Rand will do great until they get to foreign policy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that, that's exactly what I'm thinking. And if Trump is on there, I uh, I, I guess it'll be good for ratings. Part of me uh, wants wants him to be up there and just uh, you know, as long as he doesn't do too much damage to the Republican brand long term. Well, that, but it also gives Republicans a perfect uh, opportunity really to take on Donald Trump and be the giant killer. Like a foil, you know, they've got kind of like Jack versus the giant slayer, right? <laughs> uh, Mike Huckabee can do it. He can uh, put the knife in the back while he's smiling. Yeah, a Huckabee can. Uh, Walker, I will be really interested to see how he uh, shows up. A lot of people have complained about Scott Walker not being very charismatic. I think you may, be, may have even mentioned that a few times, but uh, that he lacks uh, a little bit of charisma. I think he's going to shine. I think he's been uh, a rock star. He's Look, put- I think we can, be on, we can agree on this. None of these guys or ladies is another Ronald Reagan. No. No, they, 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 yeah, I think we can certainly agree with that. I mean, Christie obviously has the bump. Christie's almost like a, a Donald Trump if he went into politics, right? <laughs> he is, I'll say this though, I think more people could see Donald Trump dealing with Vladimir Putin than Chris Christie. I mean, what's Christie going to do? <laughs> Wave his ice cream cone at Putin and tell him uh, to shut up? Challenge Putin will probably use a couple of judo moves. Challenge him. him to a challenge him to a Coney Island hot dog eating contest, maybe. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> that's the problem Chris Christie has. Besides the fact that he's alienated the base, a lot of Republicans cannot just see him with his personality dealing with foreign leaders. I mean, 
Angela Merkel, uh, David Cameron, Putin, all these leaders, can we really see Chris Christie with his New Jersey ways dealing and interacting with them in a positive way? Well, you know, I think I, the question is yeah. no. Okay. Well, I agree with you that. Okay. Final thought, Ben Carson, Doctor Ben Carson, a very interesting candidate. Again, like I said, I picked up the phone. I like, I kind of like getting robocalls. A lot of people don't, but you can always just hang up. So I'll get them and listen to them a little bit, see if it's effective or not. And the Ben Carson one was very effective. Got his name out three times in the first ten seconds. Then they asked for money, and then they mentioned uh, his website. And I heard all of that, even though I didn't want to, because I wanted to hang up because I had other stuff to do. But uh, he's he's obviously coming out uh, early. I mean, basically, these guys have two weeks to get in the top ten. Carson looks like he's pretty much locked in there. He's got a base. What do you think he's going to look like on the debate stage with, with no political experience? Is he going to be able to leverage that as being a positive? I think he is. And look, he knows how to use TV to his advantage. So does Donald Trump. That's the, two, the one thing that both of those candidates have going. They understand the TV medium and how to utilize it, how to position themselves for the cameras, how to get that pithy sound bite. So, well, <laughs> some some sound bites are pithier than others. We'll go a little George Orwell on that. David Johnson from Strategic Vision, thank you as always for calling in. This is uh, we're getting down to the what I think is the exciting time. We're going to see it really hash out. Uh, I'm going to be releasing my top ten via Gregsuslive.blog.com. David, where can people find you? I know you do some writing and stuff. Definitely, they can go to StrategicVision.biz. B-I-Z strategicvision.biz David Johnson thank you for calling in and uh, we will talk to you soon and uh, uh, also wanted to thank Sherry Gilligan running for House District 24 she was only two votes shy of uh, or two or three votes shy of winning that thing outright uh, about a month ago and uh, clearly the political consultants are the real winners when you have an extra month of uh, uh, of campaign season and raising money and getting out the vote. That vote is Tuesday, July 14th. Polls are open 7 a.m., 7 p.m. in Forsyth County. There are several other races going on. House District 146, where we've had uh, Shaw Blackman and Kelly Burke uh, previously call in. That race will be next Tuesday as well. Seems like that race has been spirited, but uh, uh, not complete character assassination so i applaud the gentleman down in warner robbins for running what so far has been a clean campaign i guess the last six days will let us know for sure but uh congratulations to y'all for uh, running a good campaign and we want to uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next tuesday on greg's list this is america's the best in chat radio designed just for you